Hello, future fans, and welcome to episode 53 of Future Flicks. It's going to be a different episode this time around because I ran out of time. I did the Comic-Con special, and so I'm skipping the news and trailer trove this week and jumping right into the movies. Regular episodes will resume next week, but without further ado, here we go. Welcome. Welcome to the show. So let me tell you what I do here, just in case you're new. And if you're not new, welcome back. You know the spiel. Just stay tuned. We'll be right into the movies shortly on Future Flicks. I go over every movie that's coming out during the week. I give my thoughts on it and even give it a score, which I call the Bill score or the Billiams interest level score that can go anywhere from zero for really bad movies to 11 for those amazing, outstanding ones. The score is based only on what I saw in the trailer and anything else I know about the movie. Normally, we would start with the news and then we would go into the trailer trove where I would talk about any new trailers that dropped. But in this episode, we're jumping right into the movie. So let's start with a movie called SWAT Under Siege. A SWAT team comes under fire when a group of terrorists come for a man who the team apprehended and holds in their compound. This stars Sam Yeager from Parenthood, Adrian Pilicki from John Wick, and Michael Jai White from The Dark Knight. After I watched the trailer for this, I looked everywhere for any sign that this was a straight-to-video release, but I couldn't find anything. No hint that it's a straight-to-VOD, which means that this joke is actually getting screen time. Okay, this movie doesn't look horrible. It really doesn't. But it looks like something you'd watch on TV like Sharknado. Something that's bad, but it's TV bad. It's low-budget TV type of bad. Maybe you watch it once for a chuckle, and then you never think about it again. That's what this movie looks like. This looks like a super low-budget action film that somehow got a theater release date. Who knows how it did that? Everything in this looks cheesy and over the top. Fun fact about this, it's already up on YouTube. Someone had a copy with foreign subtitles and put the whole thing up. Try and give it a watch before someone takes notice and gets it taken down. I looked it up right now just in case it got taken down since I made the notes, but there are now three copies up. One's in French, I believe, and the other two have some sort of, I honestly don't know the language, some sort of Middle Eastern subtitles to it. So if you can deal with those being on it and not regular YouTube, YouTube closed captioning where you can turn it off like on the actual video then you can watch this movie for free so as for me will I watch it no I, I really don't have enough time right now I have too much going on and even if I didn't even if my schedule was clear I'm not sure if I'd really watch it the only way I would really put any effort into watching this would be if Steven Seagal was in this too and it was a cross between SWAT and Under Siege but it's not so I'm not going to put a lot of effort into it SWAT Under Siege gets a 2 out of 11. Next up is a little movie called Columbus. A man is stuck in Columbus, Indiana because his father is in a coma. One day he meets a young woman who wants to stay in Columbus to stay with her mother who is a recovering addict instead of following her dreams. The stars John Cho from Star Trek, 
Haley Lou Richardson from The Edge of Seventeen, and Parker Posey from Party Girl. This looks... good? I mean, it doesn't look bad, and I never once felt the need to skip ahead in the trailer because it was boring, but it left me... whelmed. This has two good actors leading the charge with a new writer and director at the helm, some dude named Kogunada. Never heard of him? That's okay, because he hasn't done much. This is his third project ever. Are we witnessing the birth of the next big director? Maybe. Maybe not. Time will tell. But this film is already getting good scores from critics. Even though I don't trust critics, I still bring up their views on things because it matters to some people. Recent articles have stated that apparently Rotten Tomatoes influences moviegoers. So those bags of festering pustules actually influence people. Those sacks of moldy McDonald's grease who forgot how to love movies influence people. And that, that kind of pisses me off. Like, sure, okay, I get it. You can't see all the movies. A lot of movies come out, especially a lot of big ones, and you kind of want to get a feel for it. But you should always listen to critics and take their reviews with a grain of salt. Remember that it's their views, and critics try to, as Anne puts it, take the mick out of movies. So if you do listen to critics, if you do go to Rotten Tomatoes or Metacritic or any of these other places to get a look at their scores, please just remember that these are people who talk shit about things for a living. Do you want better ideas of what movies are like? You know, I'm going to toot my own horn. Listen to me. Listen to YouTubers. Listen to other people with podcasts. Listen to real people. But let's get back to Columbus. While this movie looks well acted and nicely shot, it does feel like the ending will be easy to guess, and this is where the writing skills of Kogonada come into play. There are two ways that this film could go to earn the early praise from so many critics, and the above average scores from regular people. The first is that it could take a different turn than anyone predicts in the end, but it makes it understandable. No deus ex machina here. The second is that it could be fully predictable with no surprises, but be a fun trip to make it work. Have acting and cinematography that will overshadow the simple plot. That Those are the two ways I think that this could happen or, or earn the great praise. But what do I think is going to happen in the movie? Easy peasy. You probably have already guessed it. Jin, played by Cho, feels like he's stuck in Columbus and needs to stick with his father. Casey, played by Richardson, will find the strength she needs to leave her mother and find her own way. Their romance, while short-lived, will be important to both of them and help them along their way, but will also leave us with the implication that they could possibly get back together one day, just not now. So, Jin, who wants to leave, Casey, who wants to stay, will ultimately switch what they want to do and go through with it because it's the right thing to do. That's not a bad plot though, is it? It's been done before and it's easy to see coming, but it's cute. This movie could still go that route and be good if everything else falls into place. Critics and a lot of people are very forgiving of simple plots if it's presented well. That is the key right here, if Kogonanda can do that. The trouble is, I don't think it's going to fall into place like that. I feel like this is going to be a character drama that's going to border on boring. Hell, it may even put normal people to sleep even though the trailer was just short of a snorefest. I liked the trailer, but the movie itself, it could be very boring. Nothing about the trailer told me that this film is going to be anything other than an artsy character drama, and if that's your kind of movie, then this film is for you. But either way, you can wait. This does not need to be seen in theaters no matter how good you think it looks. Columbus. It's a 5 out of 11.
I'm going through these first ones really fast, and that's not because I'm trying to make this a short episode. It's just because I don't have a lot to say about these. There are seven smaller movies coming out with about four big ones, I believe. I I haven't counted everything in my notes. So stick with me. We'll get through these smaller movies and get on to the bigger ones shortly. But as for now, let us move on to the next movie called Savage Dog. A story sent in Indochina in 1959, a land beyond rule and a time without mercy and the birth of a legend. If that doesn't make much sense to you, don't blame me. That is the synopsis I pulled straight from IMDb because when I watched the trailer, I had no idea what the movie is about. So let's go over that just a little slowly to see if you can make sense of it. A story sent in Indochina in 1959, a land beyond rule and a time without mercy and the birth of a legend. That looks like the kind of shit you put on a poster. That's not what you put as your damn premise. It doesn't tell us a f***ing thing about the movie. And I actually have, let me see, three small paragraphs and one line written about this in my notes. I'm going to just read them verbatim. No strain from the script whatsoever. Here we go. This stars character actor Scott Atkins and the golden-voiced god Keith David. What can I say about this movie that hasn't already been said about 80s action films? Violent and stupid. The problem with this movie is that it's not the good kind of stupid. It's not the fun kind of stupid. It's not the stupid with wonderfully quotable lines, over-the-top fights, and cheesy acting. This is the kind of stupid that takes itself seriously, and that is the worst kind. I know, the movies back then, back in the day, took themselves seriously too, but now everyone admits that they're silly. Great, but silly. When a movie like this comes out now, it just seems sad, and that's what this movie feels like. A sad attempt at a serious homage to a bygone era. If you want to see mindless martial arts and gunfights without the benefit of an interesting story, then this is for you. Other than that, skip this movie. Savage Dog gets a 0 out of 11. I don't even have a point to give it. Alright, we have one more movie to talk about before a short break, and then we continue with the smaller films. So that movie, it's called 68 Kill. You can tell it's going to be a winner by that title. 68 Kill. Wow. Chip is a kept man. Liza is a prostitute he lives with. When Liza's client flashes $68,000 in front of her, she hatches a plan to kill him and brings Chip along for the ride. After the robbery, Chip gets sucked into the whirlwind of women who want to control him, and he even befriends a family member of the dead man. The stars Matthew Gary Goobler from Criminal Minds, Annalyn McCord from the reboot of 90210, and Alicia Bowe from 13 Reasons Why. Another sh- movie. This one, though, gets acclaim from various film festivals, but I say, who the f*** cares? This looks like complete sh**. This is written and directed by D-list horror film director and actor Trent Haga, and I can't believe this film is getting any good reviews. This is the kind of film that's stupid, violent, and over-the-top and douchey people like it, or at least pretend to like it because it's not the movie they're supposed to like, but it's presented in a comedic way. I was just talking about movies that take themselves too seriously, and here we have the other side of the coin. This film looks full of bad acting, bad writing, bad cinematography, bad attempts at humor, and a misuse of a pulpy vibe, but it also does all this with a tongue-in-cheek feel, which doesn't save it, it doesn't magically make this movie good. 
I get the feeling that Trent Haga saw Grindhouse and wanted to do something similar but failed miserably. Check out the trailer for yourself. Check out a lot of these trailers for yourselves and see if you agree with me. The only movie I halfway liked so far was Columbus. And this one, this one looks awful. Just watch it. Just check the trailer out. You'll see that this looks like stupid bullshit. 68 Kill gets a 2 out of 11. The next movie on our list is a movie from Bollywood, good old India. And so I haven't said this in a while. I haven't explained the difference between Bollywood and Hindi cinema or Indian cinema. So let me let me just say really quick. So Bollywood, Bollywood movies come from Bombay, currently known as Mumbai, but that's where they get the B from, Bombay. And these movies are normally filmed in Hindi, the predominant language in the area. So movie sometimes if I say Bollywood, then I know it's from Bollywood. But there are other areas in India that produce movies in other languages too. So if I say Bollywood and not Hindi cinema when I'm talking about a movie, it's because I either know that it was filmed in that area or it's it comes from that area or it's in Hindi and then I'm assuming. I could be wrong. But if it's in Punjabi or some other language from India, there's a good chance it's not Bollywood. So there we go. There is your lesson of the day. Give it maybe 10 more episodes. I'll repeat it. I don't know. We'll see. So that movie is Job Harry met Sajal. Harry is a tour guide and Sajal is a woman on vacation. When Sajal loses her engagement ring, she enlists the help of Harry and the two travel around Europe in search of it. And during their trip, the two grow close. This stars Shah Rukh Khan from Rais and... Anushka Sharma from Sultan. So every time a movie like this comes up, I say the same things. So today I'll skip most of that to keep this one short as well. Let's keep the pattern going, folks. This looks entertaining. It's slightly, ever, ever so slightly different than most Bollywood romances. At least that's how the trailer starts out. The way the trailer begins is this looks like it could easily be a romantic dramedy, but then it slips into that normal Bollywood romantic comedy trailer pattern. You see the two characters in various points in their relationship. There's voiceovers, dancing, in-character romance, and what looks like scenes from a montage or what could be some recorded fancy shots just shot for the trailer. While the formula is familiar, the story itself is a new one, which intrigues me, but I always have to be honest with myself. I can put this on my list of Bollywood and Hindi cinema movies to watch, added to that list with films like Dangal, Sultan, Mom, and Rais, but I'll just sit there, and when I have the chance to watch it, I won't. I'll go, okay, today I will watch this movie. There it is on Netflix, there it is on Hulu, there it is on God knows what else. I'm going to watch it today, and then I watch something else instead. So back to this film. This film looks entertaining, but it's equal parts samey and unique, which doesn't do enough to get me excited to try hard and watch this. One day, one day there'll be a movie that comes out that really pushes me to see it. This is not that movie. Today is not that day. Job Harry Met Sajal gets a 5 out of 11. Well, we actually went one over. One movie passed where I said the break would be, and I'm, you know what, I'm really lazy right now, so I'm just going to put the break in right now. Please stay tuned from a word from our friends at Somewhat Nerdy Radio. Stay tuned. Imagine yourself on a journey with the Somewhat Nerdy Radio podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. Your captains, the sensational Snarf Chris and the cunning Critter, constantly face an element of danger. 
Welcome to the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast. The bright light in the podcast sphere. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, what a good word. I love that word. That was a good word from them. Same word as always, still a good word. And one day, one day, danger will be back on the show. I believe it. They all believe it. One day it'll all work out. But for now, let's get on with the show. The next movie on the list is the first of two documentaries. And the first one is An Inconvenient Sequel, Truth to Power. This is a sequel to the 2006 documentary starring Al Gore. While I do support being eco-friendly and recycling and reducing how much waste we put out, no matter how much I may agree with this film and its predecessor, I still have to talk about this as a movie. And as a movie, this looks like a basic documentary. In fact, it looks worse than the first one. Politics play a huge role in this, and that seems wrong. A documentary about the future of our planet, about keeping the Earth clean, about keeping it healthy for our kids, is basically a political documentary. What the actual f*** is this world coming to? Okay, I'm sorry. Enough about that. This is just a movie. Just a movie. I can move on. This is a basic documentary, and... You know what I say about those. If the topic is something you're interested in, then this could be one you should check out. But no matter how into it you may be, this is a skippable movie in theaters. This can easily be watched at home with the same effect. If this was a nature documentary or science documentary with flashy, beautiful visuals, then sure, see it in theaters. But the way it is now, this movie, skip it and watch it at home if this resonates at all with you and you want to see it. If you don't want to see this movie, do you hate the planet? Of course not. You can still support everything this movie talks about, but dislike a movie because it's basically preaching to the choir. This film was made for people who are already being ecologically friendly. I know the filmmakers were hoping to change the minds and raise awareness with this, but does anyone really think that some climate-denying mouth breather is going to give this film a shot? It's never going to happen. If this film is up your alley, then see it. If not, skip it. But either way, do not watch it in theaters. I can't get more simple than that. The inconvenient sequel, Truth to Power, gets a 5.5 out of 11. And the next documentary we're going to talk about is called Step. This is a documentary that follows the senior year of a group of girls in a high school step dance team as they struggle with being poor in the inner city of Baltimore. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, step dancing is a type of dancing that focuses on footwork and is similar to clog dancing. No, 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 I'm not making fun of this. Clog dancing came first and this type of dancing was derived from that. In this documentary, these girls are going to learn how to make it funky or ghetto or street or whatever f***ing term you should use for it. I don't know. I don't dance. I'm not hip. If anything, I'm closer to breaking a hip than being hip. I like the idea behind this documentary, using the arts or basically using anything positive to help impoverished children get out of what seems like an impossible place to escape from and make something of their lives other than just getting a dead-end job and staying in the same poor neighborhood they grew up in. Think of this like Sister Act 2 or Only the Strong, but real. Quick note, to keep this Watch Your Mouth podcast bromance going, in an episode not too long ago, unless I'm mistaken, and it was an old episode I'm re-listening to, but they were talking about marked Costco's 
who's an actor and martial artist, but is best known now for being on Iron Chef America as the the chairman. So he was in Only the Strong, which is a movie about an ex-Special Forces guy who returns to America and starts to teach in a high school overrun by drugs and gangs and violence and teaches the kids martial arts and stuff and tries to turn their lives around. Okay, but back to this movie. Back to Step. This documentary looks interesting and is a type of movie that critics will use bud words like inspirational, a joy, or a triumph of the human spirit. If you want to watch an inspirational documentary, then this is for you. If not, then make this a hard pass. Step gets a 6.5. Out of 11. All right, folks, we are starting to get out of the smaller movies and into something a little bigger. This next movie is still a smaller film, especially compared to the big ones, but it's bigger than some of the others. The next movie on the list is called Wind River. A murder on a Native American reservation causes an FBI agent to be sent to investigate. She teams up with the local hunter who found the body to find the murderer. This stars Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen from Captain America Civil War. This film was written and directed by Tyler Sheridan, who wrote Sicario and Hell or High Water, and starred in Sons of Anarchy. So even though we know this movie was written and directed by Tyler Sheridan, this feels like a Dennis Lehane movie. You know Dennis Lehane. He wrote movies or books that were turned into movies and also just the scripts, of course, for things like Mystic River, The Drop, Gone Baby Gone, and Shutter Island. While all of the movies I just mentioned were different, they all felt the same because it's the same type of movie. There's a mystery going on. There's something that they're investigating, a murder or a missing person or something like that. Movies that are dark but keep dangling hope right in front of you that's what this movie makes me think of here's the sad thing is that this looks like it's going to have good performances great performances even two really good actors jeremy renner and elizabeth olsen but rarely rarely do movies like this become anything the four i mentioned just a little while ago are the exceptions those blew up those became really big movies but how many others like this are released? And that's where it gets sad because this is probably going to be a good story. It's going to have good acting and it. it looks beautiful and well done, but it's not different enough. There's nothing enough about this that grabs us and brings us into the theaters. When I was deciding what movie I want to watch this week, this film didn't even make it on the list. This is the type of movie to watch one day, not today, not tomorrow, not next week. Maybe down the road, maybe years later, you'll see this on streaming or on sale somewhere. You go, oh yeah, I remember that movie. That podcaster with the mahogany voice, Billiam, talked about this. And I should give it a watch. And you watch it and you're like, oh, that was pretty good. Why didn't I think to watch this sooner? And I'll tell you why. Because it doesn't offer us anything to say, look at me now. Watch me now. Everything about this film says, watch me later, and it will still be just as good. The trailer tries to trick us. It tries to trick us into thinking that there's going to be more action in this. You see guns drawn, you see standoffs, you see explosions. I think there's an explosion. I, I don't care enough to watch the trailer again, but you, you see action. But I bet you that a lot of the action scenes were taken out of context. Like, just drawing a gun, not a big deal. Drawing a gun with epic music, kind of a big fucking deal. Makes you think something's going on, but when, in fact, it was just a regular scene. The trailer tries to capture our attention. It tried to capture my attention, but it didn't do it. Will there be action in this movie? Will there be something more? Yes, but even if there was more action, that's not enough. Action alone isn't enough to make a movie like this worth it. 
Tyler Sheridan's job for this was to make a great movie and then show us what's different about it, show us why we should see it, and he failed at that job. If fewer movies were coming out this week, maybe this may have been my pick. If we stopped here, if we stopped right here, I may, I may even have put this movie above the next movie coming out. But still, both keeping in mind the two biggest movies, I cannot put this anywhere near the top. If you watch this, you're going to see a good movie. Do not get me wrong. But we have better things to do with our theater time. We have bigger movies to watch. Save this for home. Wind River. You could say 6.5 out of 11. All right, folks, let's move on. The next movie we have to talk about is called Kidnap. A mother takes her child to the park and the boy gets kidnapped. She witnesses the event and sees a kidnapper driving away with her kid. She jumps into a car and follows and will stop at nothing to get her kid back. This stars Halle Berry from the original X-Men trilogy. So basically we have Taken if Liam Neeson didn't exist. That, that's what I kind of feel like this movie is. It looks interesting, it looks entertaining, but also kind of boring. I still like Halle Berry even though she hasn't really done much these days, and while she does continuously act, it's nothing that a lot of people see. And I'm afraid this film is going to be another one of those movies. It just looks too basic. Just like Wind River, I think this is going to be a movie that we can all watch later. We can all check it when it's free or really cheap and might even enjoy it. I, I kind of feel bad because this movie doesn't look terrible. It just doesn't look good. And when I'm in that middle ground, I can find a bunch of different things to nitpick about it and say that it's bad. But what can I say that's good about it? it is only it doesn't look bad truth is this is a familiar movie this is a movie we've seen before this one has a benefit of having a lead actress that's been around for a while and that can hold the screen on her own she doesn't need anyone to bounce off of Halle Berry is great by herself which is good because there's going to be a lot of her chasing another car. So we're going to get to see some pretty cool chase scenes. We're going to get to see some action scenes. This is a thriller and thrillers just mean that there's not enough action for it to be classed as an action movie. Okay, that's a lie. Thrillers get emotions out of us, except just fear. Thrillers that focus on fear are called horror movies, but thrillers on their own easily slide into the action movie category but still be considered thrillers because it's not straight up action because we still have a lot of mystery aspects to it we have a lot of tension this is going to be a tense movie will she get her kid back my guess is yes she is because this doesn't seem like the type of movie to let the kid die if this was an indie film then maybe she would die the kid would live or the kid would die or they would both die but it's not this is a bigger movie not huge but bigger that's getting a big release no notable indie people working on it at all so I think this is going to be very by the books. In the end of the day, there's nothing wrong with the movie by the books. But just like with Wind River, when it comes to getting our butts in those seats, we need more. And this just didn't have enough. So just like the previous movie, check this one out. But just do it later. If you even want to check it out at all. Kidnap gets a 5 out of 11. So we're going to take a short break before we get into the final two movies this week. So please stay tuned from a word from our friends at Nerds of the Squared Circle, and watch your mouth. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! yeah. 
then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. Someone to read a comms, Nerds in the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Squared Circle on SomeoneNerdy.com. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, the f*** did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that f***ing jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes. SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMPodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, and we're back. Welcome. Welcome, everyone. Two movies left, and these are the big movies of the week. One of them is going to be a big critic pleaser, while the other one is going to be a big crowd pleaser. We're going to start with the critic pleaser, because I think the crowd pleaser is a movie best suited for theaters. So the next movie, and the second to last movie, is called Detroit. During the 1967 Detroit riot, three young black men were murdered at the Algiers Motel. A black security guard was blamed for it and put on trial, even though he knew that the culprits were some of the white cops and white National Guards sent to protect the city. This stars John Boyega from Star Wars The Force Awakens, Will Poulter from The Revenant, Algie Smith from Earth to Echo, Jacob Lattimore from Slight, Jason Mitchell from Straight Outta Compton, Hannah Hooray from Game of Thrones, John Krasinski from The Office, and Anthony Mackie from Captain America Civil War. Welcome, my friends, to the movie that's going to have some fantastic acting in it, that's going to look beautiful, but it's going to be one of the most uncomfortable movies of the year. Uncomfortable because of how real it is and the fact that this stuff really happened. Most of it. Because remember, this is a movie and every single thing about it's not going to be right. Some of it's going to have to be dramatized for the big screen. This was brought to us by Mark Boll, who is the writer, and Catherine Bigelow, who's the director, who also teamed up on movies like The Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty. So you know these two know what they're doing. They chose a very brutal and very real event to chronicle for this film, and they chose some great actors to fill the shoes of these people. What exactly happened? I haven't read up on the story. My American history is sorely lacking. But what I do know is that they did not get this movie entirely correct. But if you want to watch a movie that's historically accurate, watch a documentary. For this, you're watching a historical crime drama. Like I said, it's going to take some liberties. And this film, this film is going to make you angry because the trailer shows John Boyega in handcuffs with these white cops, these evil white cops, grilling him because... Oh, no, 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 no. These good old white cops and white National Guard, they couldn't possibly have killed these black folk. No, no, no. It was this black man who just happens to have a service pistol on him. He's the one who killed them. It's going to anger us. It's going to rile us up because we we can clearly see the blatant racism that's going on in this movie. This was a very turbulent time for Detroit. Of course, let's be honest, most times are a very turbulent time for Detroit. But this 
was huge. The National Guard had to be called in. If you watch this movie, just keep that in mind. Just keep in mind that this is going to be brutal. Keep in mind that this is going to be real. Keep in mind that you may have to watch something with some fluffy creatures in it at the end because you're going to need to be happy. Even if, even if this ends well for the character played by John Boyega, even then this is still not going to be a happy movie. Nothing about this is going to be happy. Any comedy in this is going to be terribly overshadowed by the heavy nature of this film. This is the kind of film that you watch and enjoy and go, wow, that was a really good movie. But you watch it later, you don't see it in theaters. Some people see it in theaters because it's going to get critical acclaim, but this is 12 Years of Slave. This is... The Revenant. This is The Hurt Locker. And this is Fruitvale Station. These are movies that are really good, but you save for home. Unless you really, really want to see this movie. I suggest everyone watch this movie. I think this is going to be a great movie. And I still believe that movies like this are important. Movies and stories like this are important because it reminds us of a time that should never come again. They serve as reminders going, look, look how terrible this was. Look how awful this was. Let's stop this from ever happening. Never forget these lessons. But also, these movies serve another purpose and tells the stories of these men and women that have never been told before, have only been told in history books, or have only been told on very specific documentaries or by people actively seeking out stories like this. That's it. So when you see Detroit, do so knowing you're going to see a very dark, very heavy movie with some really good acting in it with a accomplished director and writer combo. Check this movie out, and but ask yourself if you want to watch this in theaters or not. Detroit gets a 10 out of 11. And finally, Finally, folks, we come to the last movie, and you know what that movie is. If you've been paying attention to ads on TV, to ads on the internet, you know what movie is next. That movie is The Dark Tower. Roland is the last gunslinger, and he has been chasing the man in black for a long time. He needs to stop the man in black from toppling the dark tower, which holds the universe together. The gunslinger meets a young boy who may just be able to help him do that. This stars Idris Elba from Luther and Matthew McConaughey from Interstellar. Welcome to the most controversial movie of the week. And it feels weird saying that about a movie based on a Stephen King book when we have a movie based upon the real-life events that took place during the race riots in Detroit. But no, this is the most controversial one because this is not a honest and true retelling of the first book. Dark Tower book. So for those of you who don't know, if you've been living under a rock for the past 35 years, then let me tell you that The Dark Tower is based on a series of books, eight books by Stephen King, that follow the last gunslinger as he chases the man in black. But why is this controversial, you may be asking? And that is because... This is a mixture of elements from the middle of the series on. So according to a website called Bustle, in an article by Olivia Wong, this movie picks up in the middle of the series, of all eight books, in the middle, and then picks bits and pieces from the rest of the series to create a new story. So for fans of the series, this will be familiar because, well, 
they picked apart the books to make this movie. So will you miss anything by not having read the books? No, not at all. This is set up to be its own movie. But if you have read the books and you're the type of person who can't separate books from movies, like if it's not exactly like the book, you're going to judge it terribly, then skip this movie. Don't even give it a try, no matter how much of a fan of the series you are, because you are going to come out disappointed. But if you've never read the books or you can watch a movie and keep it separate from the book, then watch this movie because it looks good. Out of all the movies this week, this looks like the one to make sure you watch in theaters. And if you don't want to watch this movie, then check out Detroit. But The Dark Tower looks like it's going to be good. We're finally going to get to see these characters that have been around for so long on the silver screen. And I can't think of anyone better than Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey. And Matthew McConaughey playing someone bad. I, I just love that. He plays a good guy so well. He plays a good guy. He plays a creepy guy. He plays a lot of characters, but a true bad guy he doesn't do often and there's no one worse in fiction than the man in black if you've read other stephen king books you may already know the man in black as a lot of king books are all connected i believe it 11 and Dreamcatcher are connected i believe and the dark tower series the stand and a short story he did called Ur are connected there may be other ones that are all connected that i'm just missing it because i haven't read all of stephen king's books you know i've re I read a few and that's it but a lot of his books are connected e even just a little bit so we're finally seeing this bad guy who's been in more than one of king's books brought to life and i don't think they could have picked anyone better. Stephen King is known for being the master of horror, but he writes so many other types of books. And The Dark Tower is a fantasy adventure, but not fantasy as in high fantasy. You're not going to see any elves walking around, no elves and dwarves, but you're going to see magic. You're going to see supernatural things going on. There's going to be parallel universes and a fight to save them. Early scores for this are coming in and it's being destroyed. Even as far as normal people go, this is barely passing. This is barely getting above a 5 on IMDb. It's getting a 6.1 to be exact. But once again, we turn to Rotten Tomatoes and why I still look at this site is just, I, I really use it for the audience score because I base, I will, I would rather base my decision to see a movie or not on the audience score than the tomato meter. So the audience score for this is 65%. The tomato meter is 19%, which I'm going to say it again, just proves why we shouldn't listen to the critics on this. But even then, this is a Okay, movie. So when movies like this come out, when there's such a divide between critics and the audience, I believe that you should always go in favor of the audience because they just want to have fun when critics don't. And I've been disagreed with before. I have been disagreed with when I have said that and people have said, well, no, critics think movies are fun too. They just don't think that movie is fun. No, no, they don't. Scores like this, discrepancies between these big movies show that People, honest people, know what a good movie is and what a fun movie is, while critics don't. But still, with this movie, the audience score isn't great. It's barely passing. If this was a letter grade in high school, you would be getting a D. But of course, there are other elements to take into account on whether or not you want to see a movie in theaters. There's the visuals, and there's how much you personally think you'll enjoy it. I think I would like this movie, which is why I want to see it. If you were on the fence about this, I might skip it. Because this has good actors and it has two great actors in it. The director isn't anyone important, but the writers on this is, has, I think, five or six writers on this. And two of the writers are people I trust. We have 
a one writer who's done a lot of TV for shows like Alias, Lost, Fringe, and Zoo, and then a movie writer who wrote movies like A Beautiful Mind, I, Robot, and The Da Vinci Code. Not great movies, but good movies. So that's why I think this movie is going to be okay. It's it, But it's just, just going to be okay. It's not going to lean too far one way or the other. Also, here's what we have to be careful of, is that Stephen King is very unreliable with his movies. I don't know how much control he has over these things, because movies like Carrie and Cujo were good. But every time I talk about King, I have to bring up Cell and what a terrible movie it was. And he he wrote that script. Also, 112263, good book, good show. He is so inconsistent when movies come out that I can't say with any accuracy if his movies are going to be good. I can't use him as an example for anything. And that's sad. For a Stephen King book? Hell yeah. Pick up a Stephen King book. He does great work. Movies, be careful. I know I've been rambling a lot on this movie, but that's really how I feel about it. That's how it makes me feel. I couldn't just sit down with my notes and put all my thoughts out like I could normally do for other movies. I was jumping all around on this, and I am still excited for this movie. No matter how many bad things I said about it, no matter how good things I said about it, I am still excited. And so my friends... My future friends, when you see this movie, or if you go to see this movie, remember to take into account if you're willing to risk it. Just because there are plenty of signs that point to it being good, plenty of signs pointing this to being bad. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Schrodinger's movie right here. This movie is going to be both good and bad until someone opens a box and watches it. While this may be my pick of the week, also keep Detroit in mind. If you want to watch a movie this week, also keep Detroit in mind because it's going to be a better movie. It's going to be hands down be a better movie, but The Dark Tower may be more fun. It's still going to be a dark movie, but compared to Detroit, it's going to be a lighthearted laugh fest. For the first time in a while, my pick of the week isn't the highest scoring movie as The Dark Tower gets a 7.5 out of 11. Well, that is it for this episode. I'm going to talk about the question of the week. But actually, no one answered this again. So, you know, please shoot me an answer. Last week's question of the week was, what was your favorite blockbuster movie from this year? And remember, if you if you're listening to this episode later and you want to answer, still shoot me an email, hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, any of the ways I mentioned in the show notes, answer the question. I am going to bring this movie up again when I do my 2017 blockbuster special, which even though I'm counting the season as over, I may wait till September just because I have a lot going on this month. So that question may come around for the special, but as for now, you need my answer. And my favorite blockbuster movie this year was Spider-Man Homecoming. I saw a lot of great, I've seen a lot of great movies, but Spider-Man Homecoming was the one I was most excited for. I loved it. It it kept me happy the whole time. It was full of action, comedy, everything I expect from Spider-Man. Tom Holland is a great Peter Parker and a great Spider-Man. And Tony Stark being in the movie didn't feel forced on us. It felt natural. I like this brand new story they're doing. I like this brand new direction they're going. And I think it really works. And if you haven't seen Spider-Man Homecoming, do yourself a favor and watch it. But my future friends, you need a question for this week and hopefully someone will answer. Hopefully we'll get an answer this coming week. So here's the new question. What is your favorite Stephen King movie? I will also take the answer in forms of TV shows in the cases of 112263 or The Mist. Yes, what is your favorite Stephen King movie or TV show? So hit me up with your answers. I will read them off next week along with my answer. But for now, let's 
get into the closing housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, Tumblr, and any podcast listening app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website, that's somewhatnerdy.com. It recently came to my attention that there's still some podcast apps that we're having trouble with, and there's a good chance we already know about some of them. But if you have a podcast app that you prefer and you can't find us, shoot us an email. Shoot me an email, and I will let Starf Chris know. But let's move on. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating on iTunes. I would love five stars. And then leave a comment. Tell me what you liked. Tell me what you think I can improve on. Communicate with me, and I will communicate with you. How do you reach me? Great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or the Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Cloud. Hit me up on Twitter at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. BilliamSWN is how you can also reach me at Instagram, Tumblr, and Untapped. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds at the Squared Circle podcasts also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. And also don't forget to listen to the Watch Your Mouth and Uncorked Gamers podcasts, two very good friends of Future Flicks. Also, my good friend Big D... Don is starting a new YouTube channel, so I'm going to put a link in the show notes to his first video. Please give him support, give him some love, give him a viewing and a thumbs up, and then leave him a comment. Tell him what you thought. Tell tell him how much he rocks, all right? I'm going to have him on the show in one of the episodes coming up, and then maybe even do a couple videos with him if I start my own videos, which I kind of want to start to do. But remember, check the show notes for a link to Big D's new channel, where he talks about his love for movies and then hunting movies, looking for looking for hard to find movies so be sure to check out the somewhat nerdy site for all of our latest blogs and news and finally my friends my dear dear listeners my future fans please remember that no matter where life takes you no matter what your week has in store just take some time to catch a flick i'm billiam from somewhat nerdy signing off i'll see you in the future i'm dan i'm jeff and we're the uncourt gamers have you been looking for a video game podcasts where people don't get insider knowledge, where people don't have access to games early, and they're just everyday Joes like you? Is that the same podcast that I've been looking for where sometimes we don't even talk about video games? That's right. This is the Uncore Gamers, the gaming podcast where we talk about games when there's gaming news. If there's not, we don't try to half-fist game stuff into your throat. We'll talk about things like the 90s, parenting. And the 80s? And the 80s. (laughs) All right. So if you're looking for a video game podcast where people make bad decisions just like you do in your everyday life, check out the Uncore Gamers. We're all just a bunch of scumbags. So remember, if it isn't about video games, we'll find a way to make it about video games.